What a waste. You can't even feel enough to enjoy it. What, what have you done? I'm overpowering you, brother, as I always could. One life form replacing another. Evolution, my dear Watson. Transfer complete. Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and joining me on the bridge. This is Tyler Orton walking through that door, Cam. I mean, walk through the door. Uh-huh. Uh, we are here this week for the latest episode of Picard, episode eight. We're getting close to the end, folks. This is the episode Surrender. Of course, later in the show, we will talk about episode six of The Mandalorian, which was all sorts of wackiness. And then we will also have a guest join us around the midpoint to discuss this week's Picard episode, Barry Link, who's been with us a few times in the past. But I think there's going to be a lot to talk about with this one. Yeah, um, Cam, I found about um, 85% of this episode about torture to sit through. Uh, Ooh, torture. Yeah, I was just like, oh... Let me predict everything that's about to unfold. It was yeah. just, this is a tough sit. Look, the ship's been uh, taken over. I wonder what will happen. I wonder if our heroes <laughs> will prevail in the end. Hmm, I wonder how Riker and Troy will ultimately get saved. Oh, look, Worf shows up. That's exactly what I predicted last week would happen as well. And Cam, that conversation between Riker and Troy about like, I don't like that house either. Why don't we just leave? <laughs> Cam, I, I those retro prairie hipsters. <laughs> oh God, like Cam, I was just like making that you know puke motion like with my finger in the mouth, like as like I, I was watching that, and I was just like, and I kept asking myself like, where are we at this point in the series where they're just kind of? I, I feel as if the, the moment that is going to work for all the listeners out there who watched this episode and walked away really liking it. I I, I understand it. It's when you have the whole crew. Back together again in the observation lounge, sitting around that table. Mm. I also like the stuff going on with Data. I liked how it was pretty cheeseball, but like, you know, getting into Data's mind. But it's also like that's kind of the cheeseball sort of thing you would see in the next gen era. You know, I, I don't think it was being fan service. I was just like, uh, it was more kind of maybe an unintentional nod to, um, you know, television way back in the day. But I kind of got the sense like they're 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 trying to save a lot of money these last few episodes with uh yeah it's like all these bottle episodes. I'll say this camp. I'm kind of like I'm kind of sick of just hanging around on the Titan like nonstop. <laughs> you know, like we spent all that time in that nebula. I mean, I guess we got a bit of a break when we went to Daystrom Station, but also aside from that cheap-looking uh, gangster planet that Raffi and Worf were hanging on, f hanging out on for what, like half the season. Um, it just I, maybe I, I can bring up other thoughts when we get to the Mandalorian. But at least I, I feel the Mandalorian is like we're exploring that universe and we're world-building mm. 
despite some of the flaws that I see going on in the Mandalorian, it's just there. There's just something about the season where I, I feel like by the time we get to the end of this episode with the crew back together again, I kind of feel as if they could have done this all within five episodes rather than eight episodes. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't that the story of Star Trek Picard or Star Trek Discovery about stretching out what should be a shorter story to maximum length? This was one where I was kind of of two minds in that there's a fair number of, you know, ship under siege episodes of Star Trek. As far as those go, this was actually, I thought, reasonably entertaining. I thought, you know, Amanda Plummer again is like spinning gold with a very generic villain character. You know, you give her just like a boilerplate line of villainous dialogue. And I'm like, wow, she's very compelling with a very simple character. And so it almost feels like something you would see like in an under siege movie or something. But in that respect, I was like, you know what? Like their action beats are pulled off well. Um, there was some tension going on. Like I felt the threat. So in that sense, not a bad episode. In some of the character dynamics, you know, the uh, the Troy um, Riker stuff, I agree, was um, a, a little cheese ball. But the data and lore stuff, I felt like there was a missed opportunity there to not pay uh, homage to the alternative factor and have the two of them grappling in the void for 15 minutes. But still, solid stuff. Um, there was a few interactions. I, I, there was a great scene with uh, Jordy and Data later in the episode, I'm sure we can talk about. But, like, this show, they're kidding themselves if they are going to say that this is like the spirit of TNG. Like, no, this is an action show. That's what it is. It can make lofty, you know, statements about its purpose and, oh, humanity and all that stuff. No, it's a boilerplate action show. And so it's like, I, I just, this episode, it really just became so painfully clear, like how they are just repeating each season of Picard by the structure. Where it's like, every season of this show is about a mystery box character who is having visions and there is something going on with them. And that is the driving force of the entire season. Season one, we had uh, Dodge and Soji. And then we got the reveal in the last two episodes about the android planet, the introduction of, um, you know, Sutra as your villain, that stuff going on there. Season two, you have Picard having flashbacks and visions through the entirety of that season about the fate of his mother. That stuff's paid off in the penultimate episode where we have, you know, the, uh, the big mission launch and action stuff and all that. This season, we've had Jack Crusher having visions and what have you. Characters talking about him stretched out for eight episodes. Probably going to be paid off in the penultimate episode, which will lead into a finale. And it's like, oh my god. Like, there's more than one structure in terms of, like, serialized Star Trek storytelling. Why are we repeating the same thing three times? Yes, it's done better here than the previous two. But that doesn't mean it isn't eye-rolling when I'm sitting there after last week where Vatic is saying, I'm going to, like... I'm going to paraphrase her. I don't remember exactly what she said, but basically saying, I'm going to show you where you're from or whatever. And this episode, again, stretches out the mystery only to end on the opening of a door. I'm like, uh-huh. Classic Picard stuff. Yeah. The Jack Crusher mystery, uh, it just reached the boiling point for me by actually probably two episodes ago. But like at this point, mm. I just, I was legit getting frustrated by like, let's stretch this out even more. I I know everybody will care. I, I think they could have done something that would not have been so frustrating which like instead of like literally watching him like smash his head in his uh hands you know in like episode two and then seeing a door and uh, you know people would go like hmm what's that i i just i i wonder if just 
early on, you, you could just tell that there was just something a little off, you know, where, you know, you don't have cliffhangers at the end of every episode in which, like, his eyes are turning red and there's, like, <laughs> you know, red vines, you know, stretching around these visions, you know. We could have watched him go all ninja on those changelings in, uh, like, episode, uh, I think, five or something. Yeah. And that would have been like, oh, there is something, like, truly, like... Uh, curious going on but you don't have to leave it on on all these cliffhangers you know and th that would have solved what i find just to be like basic storytelling failures and and i look at this as you know as you kind of alluded to as an under siege episode um i i just didn't think they were doing anything interesting with the storytelling when you have this kind of typical under siege episode it's like you've got the main villain threatening to execute hostages yeah, they execute one, and then you know that the um, you know, one of the protagonists is gonna have to come up and make some sort of sacrifice. But guess what? Uh, they'll trick him in the end and get out of the situation. I did like the fact that um, for some reason, uh, every bridge has an emergency hatch through the view screen just in case you need to get uh, blown out yeah. into outer space. Um, I did like uh, Vadik's death and that um, she's frozen and then uh, smashes into a million little pieces uh, just before uh, the Shrike is blown to smithereens as well. Like That, that, that was fun. I, I got questions about that because the J.G. Hertzler changeling could fly through space. Well... Recall though that these are different kinds of changelings with that kind of physiology, right? Is that what so we? I guess that's what we have to go with. Yeah, that there is I a difference. We'll just it. have to yeah, justify okay. it that way. Yeah, but I can't, now I'm incredibly confused. So Vadik's like henchmen; they're all changelings too. <laughs> so yeah, if they are changelings, then that makes even less sense as to why Rafi is getting in a knife fight with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, why do they speak in like clicking noises? I don't have answers to these questions. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. One more thing for you. Like, remember how like it was such a big deal that like Odo was the first changeling to ever harm another, and then uh, he was turned into a solid as punishment. Um, remember like yeah. I don't know, like three episodes ago, we watched like Vatic incinerate one of the uh, henchmen because like he said like perhaps we need new leadership, and yeah. I'm like, what? It, like, I, I just, for me, I know these are different kinds of changelings, but I, I would still uh, assume they abide by uh, those kind of same, like, rules of, of their kind, you know? And, and also, okay, so we've wiped out, like, um, what must be, like, a hub of changelings right here in terms of the Shrike. So I, I guess, like, there's still a couple changelings left out there infiltrating starfleet but it's like they're still kind of obscuring who that um skull face sort of uh, <laughs> big boss is and i'm just like really like we're not gonna get to it until the final act and by that it was very clear you know that this was the end of the second act if you want to divide the uh season into three different acts you know they made that very clear at the end and we were kind of discussing like uh last week like where we we're supposed to be in terms of like this kind of three act structure so i mean that gives me a little peace of mind but i cam i'm so worried the last two episodes are just gonna try to cram in too much stuff and a lot of it's gonna be like just i don't know starship battles that might bore me you know, like, I'd rather, do you know what I'd rather do? I'd rather hang out with the crew in the observation lounge for, like, a huh, full, yeah. like, two hours, you know? And, like, honestly, I, I like what they're doing with Data, making him a bit of a different character, letting Brent Spiner kind of do something else with that. But I, I, I do cringe a little when, you know, Picard had to have that moment. And he's like, well, the Data I knew, 
the one with those whatever quantum neurons or whatever they're talking about like in season one um he wanted to die <laughs> and then new data was just <laughs> yeah. like yeah yeah that, that's just him though you know i'm sure he'd be okay <laughs> with what we're doing now so don't worry about it don't worry about it. i they had to address that head-on i get that they had to yeah. address that head-on but that it does seem like a betrayal of that character uh as we knew him because that moment in the season one finale of picard it worked it tracked it felt right. It felt as if we were getting some resolution, some definitive resolution to that character, especially after how crummy they kind of treated his uh, uh, decommissioning, so to speak, in Nemesis. And then here, I don't mind the resets, but it, it still makes me like cringe just a little. Well, it was a very hand wavy way of, yeah, like just basically moving past that death scene in season one, but it's very clear from this series that no one had any vision whatsoever as to what this Picard show was because you would not have staged that death in season one in such a dramatic way in a way that really paid homage to that character and said goodbye to him with honor if you were planning to ever do this yeah and I mean I, I could have told you by the midway point of season one that there wasn't much vision but uh <laughs> yeah what is her plan <laughs> um uh, so I I also I I do get a laugh out of like uh, Beverly pretty much having to like say sorry to everybody and everybody's like oh shucks hmm. don't worry about it don't worry about it I also like the uh, moment <laughs> Cam I've kind of I've just realized that this in this episode in which like Jordy encounters uh, Jean Luc and he wants to confirm how he knows it's really him and Picard is like you said that um. My wine was too dry for somebody with a pedestrian yeah. palate like mine. Um, remember, like, Worf also insulted Picard's wine. Uh, Jordy did as well. I think the inside joke is that Picard makes, like, bad wine. <laughs> I, I honestly think, like, they don't have to say it out loud, but I think that's what's going on here. And he's devoted so much of his life, like, since Starfleet to making, like, legit bad wine. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, dude, you, you got to leave that vineyard to, um, I don't know, some more Romulan refugees or something. Is there, like, an underlying message of, like, do what you do best? And yes. Picard was fooling himself not to be out navigating the stars, you know, surrendering to the stars <laughs> uh, in favor of making wine all those years. Like, he was wasting his time doing so. Also, maybe it's just, like, this is like the Picard family thing. Like maybe this is actually like not like a revered like vineyard. Mm. Like this could just be like uh, they they could like lose all of the uh, the uh, wine tasting contests they ever enter into. You know they they might just be a family that makes sucky wine and they're kind of a joke within the industry. And the, we've just never had to kind of address that head on. Like how do we know this is good wine? Like we'd assume it was because you know Picard's our hero, but. Cam, they might just make bad wine. Well, I mean, now that I think about it, how many times over the course of TNG did Picard ever meet someone and have them say, is that like Picard from the Picard vintage? Yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Never. No one cares. No, it's like cheap box wine that people eat on or people drink on like weekends, like teenagers. The only one who seems to, and I'm not trying to make light of any addiction uh, issues, but the only one who seems to have uh, happily guzzled down a bottle of uh, Picard uh, uh, Red was uh, Rafi in episode three when she was still dealing with like substance abuse issues. And like, other than that, it doesn't seem as if people enjoy this stuff. No, I mean, I like that if that is the joke. It's actually a very clever in-joke and a fun way to do it, and that is refreshing from a show that's very on the nose. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> so I, I got a question for you with regards to uh, this new data. Like, is he kind of like a similar positronic golem like Picard is? Yes, he is, yeah. So he, he, you can literally take a plug and like plunge it into like the back of his head? <laughs> with data, yes. With Picard, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, speaking of Picard stuff, they, they do bring up... Oh, th this also made me roll my eyes. They're like on the strike and Rafi's like, that's Picard's body, but don't worry. That's not the real Picard. <laughs> and I'm like, F you people. <laughs> F you, that is the real Picard. That is. <laughs> Screw off. Um, but they're, I don't know, like, lobotomizing the the corpse because they yes. want some stuff that has to do with aromatic syndrome, uh, which we figure will connect to Jack. Well, it will connect to Jack in some way. Yes. I'm, I'm really struggling to care what this mystery is about, but they keep trying to well like string it out here we also have the tease of um deanna basically saying that there is this like you know dark all-consuming darkness on the ship and th that there is an ancient and weak voice coming from jack so i guess he's like inhabited by a ghost or something well yeah. <laughs> it's gonna turn into linda blair from the exorcist no no okay <laughs> but... you're forgetting the episode sub rosa uh in which uh <laughs> Beverly falls in love with a ghost. I think we I think we know who the father is now. Yeah, it's like the ghost of Ronan has come back. Uh could you imagine I, if, if that really was it was? That would be amazing. I mean it would be amazing. I've seen like a lot of people online. I mean, I think the show is pointing strongly, and I don't think this is going to be the case, but they're doing that thing that new Star Trek likes to do where they point very strongly in a known direction, which is kind of the Paw Wraith stuff with the red eyes and when you start saying like ancient voices i've seen a lot of fans online being like oh my god it's a paw race i don't think it's a paw race because i don't think the paw race mean anything to the world of tng or yeah. to the characters on tng that would yeah. just be really unsatisfying um but it is that trick of like basically wave something in front of all these fans faces that they recognize and then pull the carpet out from under them but like what else am I supposed to think other than like Ronan's candle? Like it doesn't like leave you with like interesting options to really consider. Um, unless you think Cam, are you still aboard the Locutus train? Like that? <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, that bored queen could be an ancient voice, Tyler. There you go. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just the Jack mystery. I'm done with it. Uh, it like yeah. As you say, I agree. I they'll have to kind of reveal what it means by next episode. And then I, I just suspect that it won't be anything I care about that much. Uh, I'll kind of shrug, and then I'll be annoyed that they stretch it out over the course of nine episodes there. Well, it's also like they keep introducing new powers. Yeah. So it was like, <laughs> you know, this, you know, last episode we had the whole uh, Crash LaForge uh, remote control fighting thing. But then it was like here they expanded even more. Like he can just do this all over the ship. He doesn't need to be in close proximity. And I'm like... Okay, Jack Crusher's powers are elevating to that of a god. Um, come on, guys. Like, you have to explain what this is so we can understand what he can do. It's just like superpowers at this point and very poorly defined superpowers. It's like the superhero movies that no one likes. <laughs> like, we don't know the rules of the universe, and that's what's frustrating. But, Cam, I think what you're trying to say, though, is that Jack might just need a little tutelage from one professor. 
One bald professor, might you say. One played by Patrick Stewart. I, I, is this in fact one Charles Xavier playing, like, pretending to be Captain Jean-Luc Picard? I mean, he does have extraordinary powers. Maybe they are headed to Westchester for the finale. Okay. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> they'll just skip the vineyard on the way there. Well, they already, like, ripped off the whole, like, um, Patrick Stewart dying and being reborn in a duplicate body from the X-Men franchise, so why not just carry the rest of it over? <laughs> I Yeah. Um, I, I'm not familiar with that uh, comic book uh, series. Oh, that's not a comic. That was the movies. Which movie like, did, was he reborn in a duplicate body? He was blown up midway through X-Men 3. I remember that. And they just so happened to have a comatose body nearby oh, yeah. that looked exactly like him that came back to life as, um, yeah, Professor X. Wait, did that happen by the end of X3? It's in the post-credits. Ah, uh, okay. I, I, I'll admit, I, I watched that movie once, what, like 15 yeah. years ago? And never returned to Not it. Not a fan favorite. Yeah. Um. I just remember uh, the audience laughing when uh, Juggernaut uh, did his uh, <laughs> meme line that I will not repeat. It was a trend at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, although, speaking of, like, salty language, um, I, I kind of liked uh, Vatic's send-off where she was like, mm -hmm. effing solids. I was just like, yeah, that, that made me uh, laugh right there. Well, it's like, I don't have an issue necessarily with swearing in Star Trek, but it's like, they have, like, these goody two-shoes characters running around dropping F-bombs, and I'm like... I don't buy this. But a character like Vadik, who's, you know, smoking cigars, someone who's very violent, I buy it when she drops that line at the end before she dies. I'm like, yeah, this works for the character. It doesn't feel like, look at us being edgy. It feels like it's true to who that individual was. Just like Worf approaching Troy and saying, I've been thinking of you nonstop, like waves <laughs> in the ocean. And I like, I didn't, I didn't really know what to think of that scene. Like... I th I think they're going for uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Uh, but was it the type of uncomfortable that I like? Like, I don't I don't think so. Like, I, I think it's more uh, concept versus execution problem there. Like, I think they were going for much bigger laughs than what they ultimately delivered, especially when you have, like, uh, Riker delivering lines like, uh, should I be worried here? Har, har, har. I mean, I guess I was just, like, somewhat pleased to see them finally acknowledge the relationship of Worf and Troy post, True. you know, all good things. So I was like, oh, well, that's nice that they're actually acknowledging that because, of course, it was completely ignored in the movies. Um, so I do like that by the end of this episode, Troy's given kind of a utilitarian role. Uh, she mm -hmm. was not getting a whole lot to do until this episode, which also included that scene about their house that they don't like. Um, <laughs> they I also, hate it. Well, so I'm sorry. They kidnapped Troy, but left Kestra alone on that planet. The the crew of the Shrike. Kestra doesn't exist, Tyler. Stop pretending that character exists. Okay. <laughs> they literally named her in this episode for the first time. Or they no, did, maybe yeah, I, yeah. actually I think he said Kestra's name in the first episode. Uh, Riker did. So I, I okay, sure. Uh, so by the end of the episode, they're giving. Troy, like, utilitarian stuff to do. They also give her the moment with Riker in which they kind of realize, like, what's kind of been haunting them in their marriage, or at least not realize so much mm -hmm. as acknowledge their big problems and how they move forward. Worf's journey, um, it, it baffles me. I like where the character is right now. Yeah. I, I, I When I get to the end of this season, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a solid idea of what, like, 
Jordy's journey is going to be through the season, what uh, Data's journey is. Even Picard, who's very much just a very, like a very, very passive agent through much of this episode. Uh, Worf's journey, I'm, I'm not certain about. And I think he's been saddled with Rafi, who um, just that you can't keep giving Rafi just terrible, terrible dialogue and just repeat the same beats with that character again and again. And then even if you put her next to Worf, I, the, it's fun to see them next to each other, but I think Worf suffers as a result. Yeah, like, I don't think Worf really has a story this season other than, yeah, mentoring Rafi. But even that stuff's been pretty thin, really. Um, it seems like they're kind of falling back on the use Worf for, like, surprise saves, where he comes in and saves people at the last minute through violence, which he's done now three times. Yep. Or, like, punchlines and jokes, like you know, like funny dialogue directed very straight, which Michael Dorn is a master at. And so it's like, I can't say I was unsatisfied with some of his, you know, bits here in this episode. Um, some of them were actually pretty funny, but I do feel like there's a little bit of a, okay, we need to tell Picard's story this season. We want to pay off Riker and Troy. Probably we want to tell the Beverly story, Jordy Worf. We can do more with that character going forward. We have yeah. maybe some plans yeah. for Worf, so they okay. don't feel like they have to pay him off. Uh, believe me, I, I I would be totally okay with that. There, there's been all that talk about that Star Trek Legacy kind of proposed series that uh, the showrunner of season three, Terry Metalis, wants to do. You know, um, I if Worf is on board with that, I'm on board with that. That would be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I, it's what are, what are like, his visions and flashbacks going to be? Oh God. Yeah, what's going to be the mystery box <laughs> surrounding Alexander Rojinko and uh, that, that first season of Star Trek Legacy? Right. God. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I want to go back to like, or not go back to. I want to bring up Seven in this episode, in which it, mm-hmm. it's like, doesn't she know this stuff? Where it's like, she does the wrong thing. You know, she lets them through the turbo lift, and Shaw is now on the bridge and he's like you shouldn't have done that she's like i i had to and like i'm showing humanity and it's just like it just seems like beats that any character would know by now i did like that moment where the bajoran ensign like he wasn't willing to give folks up and yeah he just said and he said it's like well because i'm starfleet and that moment worked far better for me than when um, Burnham in the season one uh, Discovery finale was like, we are Starfleet. We have values in Starfleet. We are Starfleet. Like, that worked much better for me, uh, what the Ensign was doing in this episode. And um, I don't know, but is Shaw going to have to be calling uh, Seven of Nine, Seven of Nine moving forward after she made that assertion? Because I noticed, like, the next moment he had the chance to call her by her name, he just said commander rather than commander hansen or or commander seven he's gonna color seven in the final episode of the season i think it's gonna have him finally saying that and music swelling underneath it yeah 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 i i i think that's very likely yeah there was a i thought a really good moment where shaw was talking about consequences of decisions as the um bridge is taken over by vatic and her people and i'm like okay like this is setting up something interesting and you have the crew being, you know, shuttled off and Seven stays in that room. And I'm like, this is going to mean something. What did it mean, Tyler? What happened with her deciding to stay in that room? Um, it meant that she got to hide underneath a force field. 
Yes, there was no consequences or payoff to that decision. Or I don't lessons learned. understand what the point of it. Yeah, there was nothing learned from it. It was just like, I guess, keep a popular character in this room yeah. <laughs> so that uh, they're featured. I, I don't know. Well, I, I think they're trying to give some something for Seven to do in this episode. And for me, it was just kind of like, um, kind of like uh, <laughs> dull person story beats, you know? It, it's just like, it, it just frustrates me when you, when like characters kind of have to act dumb to move the plot along. And um, I don't know, it, not necessarily like she moved the plot along with that force field decision, but essentially her decisions it, to let the uh, invaders into the bridge last episode is like, let's be dumb to move the plot along. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I can, to be charitable, say, okay, that happens so that there's complications to what Jack Crusher's you know, scheme is, um, but we didn't know what Jack Crusher's scheme was, so it didn't have any sort of tension to it. Um, it would have worked better if they'd outlined maybe what their plan was, and then you have it go wrong because Seven stays in that room, but not the case. Yeah, uh, she's briefly blown into outer space, and they have to transport her at the last second. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, isn't it kind of odd? This is the TNG reunion. How much of this season is driven by Jack Crusher's heroics? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like I, I, I just wonder if the marketing people are like, we can't, <laughs> we can't have a show <laughs> where ninety percent of the cast is in their seventies. Like, yeah, I get it. And then, uh, uh, and even like Jerry Ryan, who looks amazing, she's in her mid fifties as well. And it's like, I just, I, I know at the marketing folks are saying it's like we need to work the 18 to 35 demo somehow uh let's pretend this 30 35 year old actor is in fact 21 and let's have jack front and center of all the action and i think we lucked out and we got a good charismatic actor um unfortunately mm -hmm. like just the last couple like like whenever they go do the mystery stuff with him that's when i just get so bored out of my mind well it's because there's nothing to hold on to because you don't have anything to hold on to until you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Like, I'm not invested. Yeah. How's he going to overcome it? What does it mean? Um, and I know next episode is probably going to be a little bit like that Monsters episode from last season where we had Talyn guiding Picard through this psychological journey. I think it's going to be Troy guiding him through this psychological <laughs> journey again and having revelations. And it's like, I can... If it's done well, look, look, Monsters was a terrible episode. That doesn't mean next week's episode is going to be terrible. But it's like, it, it would at least give us scenes of Jack Crusher dealing with what this problem is. Because isn't that what makes Star Trek characters interesting? Is how they overcome problems? He's not overcoming problems. He's hiding from problems or obscuring problems all season. Well, and I agree with you. It's how characters overcome problems. But too much of the season for me is like, we'll overcome this problem through brute force. And it's like, yeah. okay, whatever. Although they did say, like, data subroutines don't let him, like, kill another living, um, you know, species or entity, no matter what circumstance. I'm like, has data never been complicit in, like, uh, I don't know, a phaser fight that, I don't know, incinerated somebody? Or, or has he never been, like, the one to push the button on a torpedo or... Like he has must have killed somebody at some point. Everyone else in this crew seems to be serial killers. <laughs> there was that Borg in the descent two-parter uh, that like Data like choked out against a wall. Um, 
But yeah, I'm sure there's when they're in like firefights and stuff like that. I don't think they're like remove data from the bridge. He's no good to us right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I just that that, that moment made me pause. So um, I, I would have been kind of sad to see if like his memories of playing poker with his friends uh, had disappeared into Lore's hands. Yeah, that would have been lame. And uh, also, I mean, it seems like the Tasha memories will live on because we had the uh, Easter egg for the Tasha memorial there. Is this all we see of Denise Crosby? Like we she she was at the convention last year. Yeah. And she said. Tasha will be seen and nobody asked her about Sila. I'm just I'm getting like less and less convinced at this point that Sila has anything to do with this season, which is disappointing. I, I just, cause the thing is like, again, like um, they're not sending any signals at all that she could be behind that. And I know that hasn't stopped the, the, this creative team from just bringing things out of nowhere, but I would expect there'd be at least something to like jump on versus like skull face yeah like there would at least be some acknowledgement of romulans or something but nope um the only thing the only thing that would i think make sense to introduce sila is that so much of this season is about parents and children and when you had tasha being you know the mother of sila uh -huh. yeah. that's something there's like a connection but it I, that's it and that's kind of loose, especially at this point, to be introducing Sila in the next episode or whatever, in the finale. It would be like, it would be a little bit of a Scooby-Doo ending. Oh, uh, well, she, she's going to be taking part in Star Trek Legacy 2, no doubt then. <laughs> the series lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, just to me, I had hopes that, you know, ever since, like, we, we, like, before we started, like, podcasting about season one i think we are speculating hey wouldn't this be a good opportunity to bring back sila uh, just a character mm. that just never got any real resolution and kind of went out with kind of a wet fart you know and that's uh in reunification part two and, or unification part two i should say and i don't know it just kept but i just i'm not seeing signs or obvious signs i could be missing everything that she's even meant to come back or there's anything thematic beyond like you said you know lots of uh parenting going on in this season except for wharf uh he never parents he never has so nope. um yeah i don't know he's I... adopted raffi <laughs> <laughs> he he really is closer to uh raffaella as he likes to call her than he's ever been to Al alexander at this point yes he is very much so <laughs> yeah like it's interesting because when you look at the series of picard it's so much been about paying things off and kind of putting a button on various elements whether it's you know q um data in season one it seemed this season we had you know roe being dealt with we had wesley last season the great wesley return it was amazing uh, but it was amazing it is kind <laughs> Wait, of it? odd <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was amazing on a on a level oh, okay. that uh, I don't think uh, the showrunners intended. It sure. was d genuinely sure. amazing. Um, I'll never forget it. Like it was, it was space hippies from the original series. Amazing, right? But right. Um, like Sila to me just seems like such a standout element that never had a satisfying ending. Whereas yeah. I, I know they're going to introduce something else in the next episode or two that is going to get you know fandom all excited. 
I don't think it's Sila, but I, I just wonder why. Because it's not like this show has any restraint. <laughs> like, it's no. more than willing to just pile on fan service to pay off. But I, I I might even feel kind of annoyed, like not angry, but kind of annoyed if it turns out it is Sila in next episode, because they really haven't been setting anything organic up for that. You know, and that, that's a problem, like whether it feels organic or not. And, and if they bring her into the next episode, it's not going to feel organic. And, and like... But are they worried, like, are the Reddit detectives going to figure it all out ahead of time? And I'm just like, you know what? Just, like, a, a fraction of who watches these shows, they're on social media playing detective here. And, like, you shouldn't be so worried about that. I We go back to yeah. the Ash Tyler thing. And as soon as I accidentally stumbled upon, like, the theory that uh, Voke and Ash Tyler were the same, I, I, I was so annoyed because then I spent, like, the next four episodes thinking, like, oh... Yeah, uh, it's obvious now. It's oh so obvious now. And that, that kind of annoyed me there. I think the time to have used Sela was season one when you had all those like Romulans. Yeah. That would have been the time. And I think they missed the boat on that one. I think at that point they were, despite the data stuff, they were intent on telling the next chapter of the life of Picard before they <laughs> folded like a cheap tent and went full fan service in season two. And I think season one, they were like, no, we want to introduce new elements because we had, you know, Narek and all these other things. And that was the time. I think it would have been. No, yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong, Cam. It, it, it should. It, 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 the time was uh, uh, Sela should have been the watcher, you know, the Tal, Talin role. And Picard would have had to kept going to her saying, like, you look exactly like my Romulan housekeeper. She's like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, exactly like her. They paid off the supervisors, but not <laughs> Sila. <laughs> Crazy. Sorry, I cut I cut you off uh, just a second ago. You're you're talking about Sila. Well, no, it's just like they missed the boat on introducing Sila in that season one, and I think even if the season had been the exact same quality wise, I think fans would have had maybe a little bit better response if Sila had been behind it. Yeah. Right, well, Cam, before we get to the Cam DeLorton report, uh, we are going to turn to one of our all-time favorite guests, one Barry Link. Um, I remember he was definitely talking season one Picard with us uh, way back in the day. I'm trying to remember what episodes, uh, but um, I do recall. Oh, I know the answer to this one. Okay. He was on the episode uh, Absolute Candor. Was that it? Okay, okay, cool. And then I think the <laughs> pandemic quickly followed <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh and and then i think we decided we did not want to do uh uh guests for season two of picard due to how painful that was <laughs> so um it, 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 it'll be great to have him back uh on in just a second here yes so let's uh beam on over and welcome him in and now we are joined by a special guest thawing out from his trip floating through space very link. <laughs> Hopefully not smashing into the uh, the prow of the <laughs> ship while I'm doing that. I gave you the nicer version. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Barry, so great to have you back. Uh, I think the last time you were on, I guess, uh, back in Star Trek Discovery Season 3, it, it, it's been a spell. And I, I think to get uh, listeners caught up with your journey, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your journey with Star Trek Picard? We definitely had you back in Season 1. We took a break from guests during season two, um, but you let us know what you think of the series up until 
the end of season two, and then maybe we can kind of get into season three. And then, of course, this latest episode of Star Trek Picard. Yeah, season, I was looking forward to the show. Uh, I, I remember being skeptical, like, uh, Picard is old. What could you do that's interesting with him in terms of, you know, traditional Star Trek adventure, unless it's just, you know, Picard sitting around uh, a coffee shop talking with his friends about, yeah, I remember when, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> season one, uh, it was it was okay. The ending was stupid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... I, most of it I didn't mind because I just enjoyed watching Patrick Stewart return mm -hmm. and and the character. Um, you know, it, it was okay. Um, and at least it, it, it gave me some hope that, because often in, in Star Trek series, the first uh, season is often, they're finding their feet. And it's only, you know, subsequent seasons um, where they actually uh, figure out what they want to do and the stories they want to tell. Um, Picard season two, uh, was the exception where that was a terrible season. I, I just, you know, before we were recording, you were saying, uh, well, you know, we were almost worried that I was going to say it was like one of my favorite seasons ever. And, and no, it was, it was a terrible season, yeah. uh, for, for all kinds of reasons. Um, so I, I was glad to, to see the end of that. And, uh, so I wasn't quite sure what to think of for this season when I heard that they were reuniting the cast uh yeah I, you know I, I wasn't really expecting much because i just expected them to screw that up as well uh and especially with the the ongoing uh, dumpster fire that is discovery um mm. you know um star trek has has not been has not been kind to me the past uh five six years so yeah i wasn't quite sure were you at least happy with strange new worlds Oh yes, yeah. No, thank okay. you. Okay. Yeah, well, there is I, that. I forgot about that. It's 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 funny. I I don't think of that show as being part of uh, these other shows, um, even it's though good. of course, <laughs> 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 yes, because it's actually coherent and it's actually Star Trek. And I and I have to confess that I at least in the for me in the past like five years, the show that has been most Star Trek has been the Orville. I think mm. that has been sort of the the spiritual. Um, uh, descendant of Star Trek much more than whatever Discovery is, and and then Picard, and then and then Strange New Worlds um, I, I, again is the exception. I'm looking, for, I, I enjoyed that season, and I'm looking forward to the second season quite a lot. Barry, have you been watching any of the animated series, both uh, Lower Decks or Star Trek Prodigy? Uh, you know, I, I heard you guys talking about Star Trek uh, Prodigy uh, when I was catching up on your on your podcast, and I went, I don't think I've heard of that one. Um, I guess that's the one with like, it's a nursery or something or a daycare and they, they take over a ship or something like that. Um, um <laughs> more like, um, teenagers take yeah. over a, a Starfleet okay. vessel and, okay. um, it's very, it's a lot of fun and it, it really captures the spirit of Star Trek. Like Cam and I thought it was going to be like kiddie stuff. Um, the animation is spectacular. It's some of the most cinematic stuff I've ever seen in Star Trek. Ah. The, the storytelling really feels like Star Trek. And it's, it's definitely geared towards, I think, maybe 10, 11-year-olds. But Cam and I, are we're, we're eating it up, and, and we're really enjoying these adventures here. And I would also say that in terms of serialized storytelling in Star Trek, it's doing it much better than, uh, well, pretty much all of the live-action shows. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm going to have to go find this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I recall hearing about it, and then I just fell off the... Uh, 
my my radar and then when you guys were talking about it i suddenly went oh and i looked it up and i went okay that, that may be something i want to catch up on and then lower decks yeah that's that's great i'm, I'm behind uh on that one but it's, it's a kind of show where i can just dip in and out and i and i'm not i'm not missing any momentum mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. it's, it's episodic in its, in its nature and, and I, I really like it the humor is great the the voice work is great the animation is great um so yeah i think that and and strange new worlds um they are still keeping the faith in terms of what you know trek is supposed to be the uh crossover between strange new worlds and lower decks coming up uh i guess this summer um it'll be a strange new worlds episode directed by jonathan frakes i'm very curious um (laughs) how this crossover is going to work it's nothing like we've ever seen before in star trek mixing kind of live action and animation like that that so they're they're going to mix the two kinds of, um, of of storytelling like actual animation in it. From what I know, it's not going to be like Roger Rabbit. Like from the yeah. best I can gather, it's more like maybe Anson Mount ends up in the animated world for a little bit, but I think most of it it will be like uh, Jack Quaid and Tondi Newton. They'll be appearing in kind of the live action. Uh, you know, enterprise world and as be, animated characters or as the actual actors, they'll be like fully in the flesh from what I understand, you know? So I'm yeah. sure Jack Quaid will be wearing a purple wig and, uh, Tondi, <laughs> yeah. she told us at the, uh, the convention last year that she'll have her uh, uniform on and her sleeves, uh, rolled up, but they're not actually rolled up. They're actually like seamed that way into the, uh, uniform. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm pumped for this crossover episode. Ah, okay. I'm looking forward to that. So, <laughs> we, we've arrived at season three of uh, Star Trek Picard, uh, Barry. What's your journey been like, uh, I guess, leading up to now? And then, uh, we'll, we'll, and then we'll get into maybe kind of your thoughts on this particular episode. But tell us, you know, what's been like watching a lot of these, like, really revered, really big legacy characters coming back. Yeah, let's put that second part just to the side. My my initial <laughs> reaction for the first, I think, four episodes was, uh, "This is another dumpster fire." Like I, hmm. I really did not enjoy the the first part of this this season, and I kept going onto Twitter and and seeing people going, "This is amazing. This is the way Star Trek is." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? What? What are you guys talking about? This is terrible." Um, yeah, I mean, there were things that I liked about it. And again, yeah, and and, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, bringing back the characters is really the season uh, and is really the show. Um, but there were, there were so many things that that I just, uh, I was just throwing up my, my hands at. Like, first of all, it's another Star Trek sort of story arc where they're going rogue. You know, they're mm-hmm. basically taking over a ship. And, and, and I was thinking... This is this is like you know a, a retired U.S. Navy admiral and and a, maybe a, a colonel, or sorry, not a colonel, but a, but a captain going onto an aircraft carrier, let's say in San Diego, and saying, "Let's go to the South China Sea," and the, the commander's going, <laughs> well, "We're not going to do that." And then they somehow just convince them, and off they go. Like that's the equivalent, you know, yeah. taking an aircraft carrier and doing that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that was a problematic start. Um, things like you know they're hiding in a nebula after they've been out uh, gunned uh, in a battle that they just keep doing that in Star Trek with, with there just seems to be the nebula of the week almost in, in some cases. Um, I, I thought that the conflict between Picard and Riker was very artificial mm-hmm. and, and they both became really very simple minded about their tactical choices. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are supposed to be two really experienced and highly creative battlefield commanders. And we've seen them in, in the series and in the, in the movies, you know, time and again, being creative and, and pulling a rabbit out of a hat at the last minute with their sort of, you know, tactical choices. And in this one, all they could come up with was attack or run away. Like those were the two choices that they were faced with. Uh, it was just very, very simple minded. Uh, I, I have a list here of, I go on. Um, oh, please go nuts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when things went south and, and then some of the characters ended up in the holodeck, uh, as, as the ship is, you know, supposedly plummeting to its doom. And, and I just thought, you know, they're, they're shutting down every support system or every kind of conceivable system on the ship to save power. So they can, you know, somehow forestall the the inevitable. And yet you got these people having drinks on the hollow deck, and apparently that's okay because it's got a totally discreet, separate power system. And apparently, you know, it's totally like back in the day, Jordy would have found a way to, you know, route that power from the hollow deck to the main ship systems and and help them in that situation. But apparently, in this case, you know, they didn't have like an extension cord or a USB-C cable or something. I mean, An extension oh, cord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and then the other part was um, the, the the whole Raffi Wharf uh, uh, arc. That yeah, I just did yeah. not buy that whatsoever. Uh, you, you know, they started out with Raffi apparently having some kind of addiction. Maybe not, but they're trying to get over it. And now they've just completely dropped that whole thing. Um and then the whole her whole approach to an investigation seemed very obvious. Um, the setting I, I thought looked like sort of discount Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> it was not not a convincing world whatsoever. The only thing that I liked about that was the um, the Vulcan crime lord. I thought that was a really interesting character. Right. And and this might be a, a controversial opinion, but I wish that that character had been the principal villain as opposed to Vatic, because I, I think I think that that um, his his sort of logical heartlessness was really interesting and and really chilling, uh, and I and I just wanted to see more. And, and instead, you know, in, in typical kind of uh, Star Trek fashion, now we see him for five minutes and then they get rid of him and we never see him again. Um, it, it was also repeating the exact same story that we saw with Raffian Wharf just an episode or two ago with the Frangi. It was just like, yeah, you know, it's frustrating, but it's also like the second time in a year that we've seen kind of a Vulcan criminal. We saw that in uh Spock Amok in strange new world season one. Yep. I, 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 Barry, I agree with you. I think like Vulcan criminals are fascinating. Like, and, yeah. um, I like the actor as well. Like I've seen him in a bunch of other things as well. I think he actually yeah. kind of uh, did right by kind of this idea of a, a, a Vulcan gangster. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know that, and I think you guys think that Vatic is, is a good villain and, and you like Amanda Plummer and I think she's, she's a really good actor, but I'm, I'm not. And, and actually I, I, when we talk about this episode, there is a scene with her that I really like, but I've, I've, I've really been bothered by her. I, I find her or at least the villain too fidgety. And, and I'm, I can't get past that whole smoking thing, like who <laughs> smokes in the 24th century. Um, and, and especially when, you know, they had the, the flashback. And I think it's one of the problems I've had with this series is in terms of the direction is overuse of flashbacks and, and use a use of scenes while someone else is narrating it in, in a, in a different sort of timeline or a different, uh, part of, of, you know, of, of the overall story. 
um, where, where the, the, the human who apparently is doing all this uh, awful research um, is smoking in the lab, like who smokes mm -hmm. in a lab? And, and, and the lab is like, it's supposed to be a 24th century laboratory and it's got syringes and, and bone saws. Like, have you ever seen <laughs> Beverly Crusher with a syringe? I, mean, I did not think about that. That is an excellent, excellent point. I, I wonder if like all the smoking, they're just all inspired by Rios and his cigar smoking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Vatic was also talking about that symphony. And she was talking about, like, you know, you're pushing carts with the wheels and the sound of the wheels. And, like, they've got, like, carts with wheels in, like, the 24th century or the 25th century now, too, as well. It's like, okay, it's a little uh, old school. Yeah, like, like who's, whose job is it to, to grease the uh, the wheels or <laughs> to oil them so they don't squeak? Like, it's the exocomps. they were away that week. Yeah, the exocomps have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And and then finally, the the whole conspiracy <clears throat> I have not found it interesting whatsoever. Yeah. Like Frontier Day, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> Who cares? How dare you besmirch <laughs> the name of Frontier Day? <laughs> yes. Next, I will be attacking BC Day. Like, you know, it, it's just, it, yeah. Uh, so I don't know what's at stake with the conspiracy. Uh, and, and I don't really care. Yeah. No, and this is kind of ongoing Star Trek Picard issues and like you don't quite understand what the stakes are because it's wrapped in this mystery box and then you yeah. only understand what the stakes are once you get to the end of the season. I Barry, I agree with you. Like it, it, it's very frustrating storytelling and it, it seems I, I still think that you know season three of Picard has taken a quantum leap over the first two seasons but a lot of those very frustrating story threads or storytelling kind of tropes that they've relied on in previous seasons, it, it still continues on here in season three. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, all of that said, you know, you asked me to describe my journey. And, and so there's, this is the, 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 the dark Valley and coming out of the Valley is, is the fact that, well, as soon as I think episode five, they basically dropped the whole Rafi and, and Worf um, storyline, uh, and they just focused on the Titan and, and its uh, showdown with the Shrike, and, I, and that's when it got better, because there was focus finally. Mm. And uh, and then that's when also when the relationship between Jack Crusher and, and Picard got deeper and more interesting. Um, and then this, this is, the, and then the other characters start coming in, and this is when, you know, the show or this season is revealing really what it's all about, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just all fan service. I mean, the, the reunions between the, the characters have felt real. They felt really good. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of that is our expectations as fans that we're reading into uh, those mm -hmm. scenes. But, you know, you can tell. And, and, I, and I actually, I confess, I don't know what the relationship between the actors behind the scenes is like. But it just feels like there's, you know, there's respect and there's affection. Uh, you guys, uh, a few episodes ago in, in your podcast, talked about the scene between Data and uh, Jordy, and, and Jordy talking about, you know, you made me the, the man I am today, um, you know, my, my friendship with you, and, and like scenes like that, uh, uh, the initial sort of a discussion between Picard and, and, and Beverly Crusher about the fact that, you know, she hid uh, the fact that they had a son, uh, that was, you know, not bad. Um, I think that's what that's what we've always wanted, I think, even even though, you know, apparently this was supposed to be like a different Picard or a new side of Picard and not the next generation 2.0. Really, I think that's what we have wanted. Um, and at this point, this is this is the only time they can do it. Uh, you know, within five years, 
half the cast is going to be won't be able to act or um you know some of them might unfortunately have passed on so so this is the time and and i think i think they know that and 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 they're realizing that and and that is the the joy of of this season and and i and i don't mind you know even though i have all these criticisms about the story and the narrative and all that kind of thing i i don't mind being delighted by by the scenes between the characters that you know we we have known for so long how have you felt about the um return of data i i yeah i know uh <laughs> i i i couldn't figure out why but then they they couldn't leave him out if they're going to bring back everyone else uh, then they have to um bring him back and, and i confess i'd forgotten that he died i i knew that he had kind of died but i'd forgotten that he died in 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 season one right and and i guess that just didn't stick with me and uh yeah no i i am enjoying seeing uh him uh again i enjoyed the I'll talk about this in a, in a moment i enjoyed the showdown with lore uh, quite a lot mm-hmm. um yeah i i i you know because because i like brent spiner uh and and i always enjoyed his data i i don't i can't see anyone else doing that role it's it's his defining role and and he's so good at it um I, I'm enjoying it. Good. I, I, it was so weird for me watching Brent Spiner in season two of Picard in which he's playing like evil Soong ancestor predecessor, I guess. But like, I, I thought it was a bad performance from Spiner. And I was just like, is it just, you know, he's in his seventies now when I'm watching him play data once again, in this kind of new version of data, I would, like he's got it. He's got it down and it just impresses me like once more. And, you know, like we've seen great actors deliver. I don't think they're meaning to do bad performances, but maybe their take just isn't quite on the ball. And so this is just comforting for me to see Spiner go back and, and really deliver like a, 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 I hesitate to use the word comforting, but it is comforting to see him play this character that we all know and recognize. And not, like, I, I thought he was great in this past episode especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the episode would have been considerably weaker without him, I think, unless they had come up with something else. I really struggled with a lot of the, uh, the hostage taking, you know, the ship's been commandeered. Like this is stuff that I've seen a million times before in Star Trek. I've seen it a million times before in cinema and I've seen it done better. Um, but I think uh, a lot of the data stuff and also just hanging out with a crew in the observation lounge. I know it's all kind of like nostalgia member berry sort of stuff, but it was like kind of this uh, nice red velvet blanket heated by electricity or something like that. Like just kind of like <laughs> wrapping around you in, in those moments. And that genuinely worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really nice way to describe it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, a lot of us, uh, have aged with star trek i mean all these characters are older i think a lot of the actors most of the actors are older than i am and, and i'm feeling old um <laughs> and and that is like i said this is this is they have to do it now or they, they won't be able to do it five years from now and and as you guys have pointed out you know star trek has has an age problem i think i think you described going to conventions and you're like the youngest people there practically <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, remind like, us <laughs> yeah, well, I think like Star Trek has has become like the Matlock of science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So hopefully that teen show maybe produces some uh, some new fans, some younger fans. 
and and I and I say this as you know I I, I teach college uh, or at a college and I, I teach kids uh, who are like you know, like kids to me like in in their some are just twenty or even younger a lot in their early twenties and uh, if any of them are science fiction fans they tend to be Star Wars fans as opposed mm, right. to Star Trek they don't know Star Trek but they all know Clone Wars and Mandalorian and all that sort of stuff. Very, I, I don't think we've ever told you this. Um, the history of subspace transmissions came through um, the, the same college that uh, you teach at. And, and like uh, a, a bunch of us, uh, we were having, you know, the golf course over by the uh, college. Yeah. Um, we went and grabbed beers one day and there were about uh, six of us there, uh, two of whom were bored out of their minds uh, as four others went and just talked for what cam was it like 90 minutes straight about star trek the next generation and then i think that kind of gave us the inspiration within maybe two or three years to why don't we do like a a podcast and so uh i don't know i like it it is i want you to have hope in that like maybe some of these kids will be inspired uh, (laughs) from the journalism school that uh, you teach at to come out and um, uh, start another star trek podcast one of these days I'm doing my best. I try and talk up, you know, Star Trek all the time and and they kind of look at me, but um, yeah, I'm doing my best there. Well, Barry, I would love to know your thoughts on the Jack Crusher story, which we saw continuing through this episode. This one kind of tied off the Vatic story, but the Jack Crusher story continues. Where are you sitting on that one right now? I I haven't found, it's taken me a while to warm up to that character. And, mm-hmm. and I think they've really drawn out like who he is and, and what's going on with them. Uh, they've, they've drawn it out too long. And so, you know, I was getting impatient and I guess we found out just a little bit more in this episode, but not really. Uh, you know, the character is, has become interesting. I think, I think the actor is pretty good. Mm-hmm, yeah. And um, and has good chemistry with with the other characters, like the the showdown on the bridge between uh, Crusher and 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 Vedic on the bridge. I thought that was a really good scene, you know, mm-hmm, where was. he finally came in. And apparently, they're not really. I guess you know, to to stop a hostage situation, all you have to do is hold up like a a, a strange something an object. And everyone goes, "Oh, what's that?" And <laughs> no one tries to take it away from him or anything like that um apparently it's pretty easy but yeah that was that was a great scene it was very return of the jedi when leo walks into jabba's palace with the thermal detonator yes that's right i was wondering where why jack crusher is wearing like that golden bikini but um, (laughs) it makes sense now yeah there a lot of the show just to step back to the the series a lot of it feels like they're borrowing things from other tv shows like there's yeah. not a lot of originality a lot of things they're bolting on like you know jack crusher being like john wick or jason Bourne all of a sudden and mm. uh even even like the music like uh the, the the data lore showdown suddenly the soundtrack sounded like exactly like the soundtrack from stranger things like i was like what's going on here this is this is kind of weird like i i don't know if these are just they the writers and producers are seeing things elsewhere. They're going, that's really cool. Let's throw it in here. Well, like, I just wonder like how many network notes or streaming network notes that they're getting. I, I feel like so much of the time, you know how the characters keep repeating exposition that all the other characters already know this stuff, but that this is such a heavily serialized show. I'm like, well, 
pick your lane. Like, do you need to keep repeating this exposition or are you trusting the fact that most folks will be binging this through like library watches, you know, in, in the next decades to come? It just feels as if they're trying to serve like two different masters right now. Yeah, that might describe a lot of TV actually at the moment because uh, they don't know. They can't rely on how people are going to consume this. What shows you know, are, are you enjoying right now on, on television that uh, you think are kind of like elevating kind of the form? Uh, just as a TV uh, storytelling in general? Yeah, you know, I, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, if nothing's coming to mind right now, I, I'll, I'll just float this out there. I think uh, something like uh, The Last of Us did really well, like balancing kind of these divergent episodic adventures, as well as propelling kind of a, a serialized storyline in, in which you're focusing on characters more so than plot. And, and what frustrates me a lot during many of these streaming shows is like, it's plot, 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 plot. And that's not what really grips me when I'm watching television. Yeah, yeah. The Last of Us, uh, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, not knowing very much about the the game because I never played it. Um, I'm always down for like a, a zombie, you know, world uh, background. Uh, and I thought they did a good job, uh, particularly with some of the episodes. And of course, the one that everyone talks about the the relationship between the two men, totally mm -hmm. separate from the main plot, and and yet just like a wonderful self-contained uh universal story uh it, it's hard to hard to imagine many other series being able to pull that off uh, uh so so well um yeah so so yeah last of us i'm watching mandalorian um this this season is, is kind of kind of spinning its tires a little bit i've, I've enjoyed <laughs> a, a lot of it and parts of it but I think that they're trying to make um, Grogu just too, there's too cute. There's, there's just over hyper cuteness in this season, but I think there hasn't been in past seasons. And, and I don't know where they're going with it. Uh, and then they had that episode where um, people, the, the, the scientist was being rehabilitated. And I found that interesting. And I kind of wanted just to see more of that as opposed to the Mandalorian side of things. It, it felt very Andor. Andor uh, was another show really, really enjoyed. Uh, I, I thought that was exceptional. Like I, I was yeah. like, th this is how you kind of rethink like a franchise and just delve into these pockets of a universe and give kind of a, a new worldview on something and, and really elevate it. Yeah. Other than that, as far as uh, TV, I would be boring you with, with my devotion to Scandinavian mysteries and political dramas. <laughs> sure. Um, like Borgen and uh, Trapped and so forth. I think those are, are top-notch uh, series that people should should seek out. There's no science fiction in them unless you think uh, speak, people speaking in Danish or Norwegian is science fiction, which perhaps it could be. <laughs> well, I do have a question for you about, you know, getting back to Picard. We yeah. have two episodes left. Is there a way you think the show could end where you would be very satisfied and walk away being glad that we had this adventure? Oh yeah, that it, it's two episodes left. Oh, I yeah, I thought it was three. Okay, so it's two. Um, I know because there's because as they admitted it in this episode, they have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. So there's an awful lot that they're <laughs> going to have to do to wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, and, and because they and I can't figure out if they dispense with the changelings or not. I mean, the, they got rid of the principal villain, and and the villain behind her doesn't seem to be a changeling. And then there's the whole mystery of Jack Crusher, which is going to take like an episode. And uh -huh. I'm worried, I'm worried that that's going to take away from 
again, what we want. We just want these old characters to get together and, and face a challenge and support one another. Uh, I, I think that's ultimately what we want. We, you know, we want a recreation, except it's in a, a assisted living, but we want a recreation where they're all sitting around a table playing poker. Um, you know, that, that kind of ending would be, would be wonderful and, and people would, would love that. The, the one thing is, I think that there's a 20% chance that one of them is going to die or one of them is going to be a changeling. And I have no, nothing in, in the series suggests that to me. I just think someone in the writer's room somewhere just thought, this would be a great idea. Um, so I kind of, you know, I, I kind of half expected when she was first introduced a couple of episodes ago that, uh, Troy was actually a changeling as opposed yeah, to they yeah. actually kidnapped the real Troy. Like that seems like an awful, very labor intensive thing to do. And, and then I think there's a 20% chance that she is, I don't think so, but in, in terms of, you know, the writers or the producers making that choice or Riker, there's, there's strange things going on with Riker yeah. uh, where it just, it just, he, he sounds like, you know, the, the guy in the detective show says, Oh, let me take this case. I'm three days before retirement. <laughs> I'll go out there <laughs> and find out what's going on. Like there's that kind of vibe going on with him. And I, I kind of, because he just seems to be burdened with guilt or something. Uh, and I, I, I'm expecting something to happen with him. Well, as long as uh, Captain Shaw makes it out alive, I'll be happy. But uh, he could be a target as well, you know. Um, but uh, I, I, have you been enjoying this Captain Shaw character? Or are you kind of like rolling your eyes at some of his antics? No, I'm, I'm, he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And, I, and I hope he survives and that they do... Uh, they do some kind of spinoff because, you know, they, they, they had a consistent bridge crew and, and they've been minor characters and they killed uh, one of them off, uh, who was actually, I thought was, you know, a minor, very minor character, but the actors just by their faces, they seem to have potential and the show seems to kind of dwell on their faces a little bit. And I have no idea if they're going to do a spinoff or not, but I, I would like to see him again. I think he's really well acted. He brings an edge uh to to the character that i really enjoy uh there have been a couple of false notes like the the when he went into the holodeck and he started you know haranguing picard about uh hmm. you know the the battle with the borg that didn't sound quite like uh, that's what he chooses to go down and, and do i mean he, he was drinking perhaps but um but in general yeah i i'm i'm, I'm down there for sure well barry uh it's been amazing to pick your brain um <laughs> I like you. I'm very curious how this season ends up, but um, yeah, we, we want to thank you once again for joining us on the show. And uh, why, why don't we touch base uh, sooner rather than later? Um, just to kind of get your thoughts on, on how this season ultimately ends. Cause I, I agree with you. Like I think that maybe social media has been like way more pro Picard season three than maybe I think it deserves at this point. It doesn't mean to say that there have not been a lot of moments I've enjoyed, but Overall, with storytelling, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of irking me up until this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then one question for you guys. Uh, I, I watched the episode a second time, actually just before uh, I came on here to talk to you. Uh, did they leave Picard's body back on the Shrike? That's what I figured, right? And like his yeah. corpse is kind of incinerated, right? Yeah, that no one cared like the, the federation <laughs> went to great lengths to preserve the body for whatever reason and they're like okay well i know cam cares because cam believes that that body was meant to 
turn into Locutus of Borg by the end of the season. They removed something, Tyler. We don't know what happened to it yet. Okay. They're, grow- they're growing it in a giant Petri dish. Okay, okay. Locutus <laughs> will come. I, I, I get it. That's I right. think there's a 10% chance of that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, less than the Troy turn. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's been great. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. No, thank you, Barry. Well, that was great hearing from Barry. I always appreciate his insights on the show, and I think this season has offered him a fair amount to talk about, and I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from him. But, Tyler, we had a very strange episode of The Mandalorian this week, Guns for Hire, episode six of eight for the season. What did you think? Uh, It's fine, especially compared with the other episodes this season. Like, um... I I I I kind of like the idea of like you know what happens to these like former imperial like mm-hmm. folks you know that, that that's kind of interesting to me. Um, Christopher Lloyd's always fun. Jack Black's always fun. Um, Lizzo. I don't know. Cam, Lizzo. Yeah. Um. Did you like uh, like are you a big Lizzo fan? No. Because like I'm not. And uh, but like I did eventually recognize her, but I, it took me an embarrassing long amount of time. Because I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching the performance. I'm like, oh, this is clearly not like a professional actor, right? Doing this performance, it's kind of got that stiff delivery. And like, so who is this? And then I, re- it took me probably a good solid eight minutes to realize that it was Lizzo. I didn't have to wait for the end credits. Uh, I, I can confirm that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is a weird season of Mandalorian camp. I don't know. Would you think like okay? Do you think this one uh, is better than the average season three episode of Mando so far? The average, um, I would say that I was more maybe involved in it just because it was weirder than a lot of the other episodes, which it felt a little boilerplate for Mandalorian stuff. Um, like it was quirky when you've got Jack Black showing up at this dinner table of aliens. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Or when you have that opening with the love between the two young, you know, aliens in space. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a, that's an odd way to open an episode. Okay, so it was making interesting choices. I'm not sure the whole, like, CSI droid story was really that interesting. Like, once it actually got to the uh, Christopher Lloyd character being behind a robot uprising, that stuff felt pretty, like, glossed over. And when you have this, you know, elderly white man... Um, championing the vision of um, Count Dooku from the prequels. I'm like, there's probably like a more deep, uh, incisive story they could have told there. But it was fine just because you had fun actors. But I thought it was kind of odd, though, to kind of go through that whole um, robot story, but then just kind of like wedge in this bit with these other Mandalorian warriors who appeared at the start of the episode. Like, shouldn't that have been an episode unto itself or something? Yeah. It should, yeah, you know, this is why this this is such a scattered brain season, you know, where they're just, I, like, I don't like, I, I can't call this like television writing. It's more like um, little vignettes that you think would be more like kind of webisodes that they're stretching out, you know, for thirty minutes. But what is even a webisode now, you know? And it's just kind of like, I don't know. I I think they need a someone needs to talk to John Favreau and be like, dude, just like let's do a little bit more kind of standard storytelling and it's going to make the series that much stronger. Well, it's like this season is about kind of uniting the Mandalorians, but there's no like building momentum to it. 
it feels like characters wandering around. <laughs> you know, you want to have a sense of why do they have to do this? Yeah. Is there a deadline as to what, you know, that they need to have this done by? It just feels like we're just kind of going on these missions. Like they are literally strolling through this world. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah. we'd like to meet those Mandalorians. Oh, not right now. You want us to uh, talk to some droids? Yeah, I guess we can do that. No hurry. And so we go and do that for like 25 minutes. And then it's like, oh, can we see those Mandalorians now? We can. Cool. Okay, let's go do that now. It's like, guys, like, why? why? We're at episode six. Like, give us something. It's like uh, Star Trek Picard this season has too much forward momentum. Like, Frontier Day is 36 <laughs> hours away. We must say Frontier Day. Uh, Jack Crusher, what is up with you? And then, like, this <laughs> this season of Mando is just like, yeah, just chill. Yeah. You know. Like, yeah, go bounce around, man. You know, it feels like I'm watching, like, The Big Lebowski to a certain mm. degree. It, like, like, just kind of the episodic nature of The Big Lebowski as well. Um, this just isn't nearly as good. Not even close. No, I mean, I did like the robot bar. I thought that was fun to see, you know, well yeah. uh, set up there. And it was actually, I, I did kind of snicker when I saw the um, the droid from the Star Tours Disneyland ride hanging out in there. I was like, oh, that's a fun little Easter egg. Um they have tried so hard to replicate the Moss Eisley energy from the original Star Wars, especially like Force Awakens tried it and didn't do a very good job. And I feel like this time they actually did a pretty decent job of creating an environment that felt interesting. And I was more than happy to sit and just stare at. Yeah. Um, what do you want from Mando by, by the end of the season? Because right now, I don't know. Like, uh, like, I, like, I don't know what I want. Like, I, like, I don't know where the season's going. I I mean, didn't I kind of predict, you know, that the season was going to, like, the final episode is going to involve, like, Bo-Katan, like, uh, pulling all the Mandalorians together, and she's there to lead them off with the dark saber, like, by the end of the season? Yeah, that's where I think we're going. I think we'll also have some sort of resolution to what's going on with Moff Gideon, um, whether he actually plays an active role in the finale, or he's just set up in a final shot of the finale that he has some sort of plan, I don't know, but just feels like okay so they unite all the mandalorians and what <laughs> like what next yeah i don't, I don't know and also it, it's just very difficult uh for me to care about the mandalorians like i don't care anymore i mean at least we're not hanging out with the super religious zealots yeah. you know um th those those are a weird group of mandalorians now they're we're hanging out with pirates yeah. i'm just like okay the Mandalorians are a very attractive people, though. We saw them all gathered there. I'm like, wow. No, for sure. They are not, like, uh, casting, yeah. you know, the uh, all types of the galaxy here. It is, like, a model city. Well, they're the ones, okay, there's a reason why they take their helmets mm. off. And <laughs> the other zealots are like, no, let's just keep our helmets on, people. <laughs> you and I are in the zealot crowd. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, you know what, like these mask mandates from COVID, uh, not in effect anymore. It doesn't stop me from walking around everywhere uh, wearing a mask. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, but it's for safety reasons. You've upgraded to full Mandalorian helmet at this point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Cam. So I, I guess we'll come back uh, with a penultimate episode of Picard. I really want them to start paying things off. I also don't need nonstop action. I want character beats i want us to really appreciate what makes this kind of a lightning in a bottle cast and gives us more give us more moments in that observation lounge uh, lounge with the entire crew again 
Yeah, I mean, characters were set up to have like meaningful journeys by the end of the season. I think primarily a Beverly Crusher, and I want to see her do more than just like you know get upset over Jack doing something or giving medical advice. Like this needs to pay off in a finale, and I think there's a lot they've set up that. <sighs> If we look at the previous Picard seasons, there was not a lot of time for those sorts of like character journeys. It was a lot of like business of setting up big, you know, explosive endings. Uh, I'm concerned about that, but I want to see these characters done justice in the end. Yeah. yeah. All right, then, Cam. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Uh, if uh, folks want to find you on Twitter, where should they go? And you've got a blue check now because you're a big Elon Musk fan and you're paying him money for that uh, verification. I was the first person to email him and be like, can I give you money? Yes. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Cam B is in fucking solids Smith. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find me at Reportin. That's R-E-P. P is in uh, poker tournaments for the next two episodes of Picard. O-R-T-O-N. Okay, so until next time, the arena is closed. Like Frontier Day, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs>